0: we enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise we worship you father as we enter your throne of grace by the sprinkling of the blood we sprinkle it over every head that is here and over this gathering so that we can receive mercy help and grace in time of need thank you lord We declare the blood of Jesus over every soul here, over every mind, over every body. We thank you that we are free because the one who lives inside of us. We thank you, Lord, that greater is he who is in us than the one who is in the world. We are more than conquerors the one who loved us and gave up himself for us hallelujah we thank you holy spirit thank you that you're here to refresh us to guide us to transform us and to deliver us holy spirit i give you this platform To go and guide as you please. Thank you. We worship you. Thank you, Jesus. When you come to Jesus Christ, all the wounds, all your scars, all your pain, or your trauma. All your difficulties or your challenges or your trials or your sicknesses are just a memory. You look back and you'll thank Jesus because He makes Him a memory of joy because He will deliver you from this place. He'll set you high above the storm set you high above your trials. He'll set you high above any reach of the enemy. You must know whatever trials you're in, whatever challenges you're in, as you seek him, as you surrender to him, they will become a memory. When you look back and you'll never be part of your life again because with him, He has transformed us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His Son that He loves. He's transformed you. Transferred you. You are seated in this place now. Everything is but a memory with the Lord. But when you're in a trial, it can look like you cannot get out. But as you seek him, as you surrender to him, as you hearken to him, he'll become a memory. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that every person in this meeting is refreshed today. I pray everyone in this meeting that has run out of direction is directed today. I pray for everyone here that is discouraged is encouraged today. Holy Spirit restored him today. We thank you, Jesus. You're the reason why we do this. And we thank you for your unmerited grace that has done this good work in every person today. We remember you, Lord. remember the cross. remember your sacrifice for us. And we thank you father because no one can come to you unless the father draws them thank you father that you're our father now we rest in you today and we be of great cheer of great joy because you never leave us nor forsake us amen 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 Thank you, Jesus. How are we all today? At least someone responds. Many Jacob. All righty. <clears throat> so I'm back. I was in Burke for around five days. I was in Berg for five days. I had a um, great time, thank God. have a lot to share. Um, put the photo up. i like to encourage you. <clears throat> I shared with the group, we went on a hunting trip, and I shared with the group... Um, of why we don't see God working outside. Of why we don't see God working outside through us like he should. And I said um, to the people that were inside, I said, the reason why we don't see God working outside is because we've placed him only in the church. Well, we like to see him work only in the church. But when you carry, when you carry the Holy Spirit in your everyday life, He'll be part of your everyday life. And what does it mean for the Holy Spirit to be part of your everyday life? You're building up people, making disciples, salvation, encouraging, strengthening, directing. That's what it means to have God in your everyday life. I'll share a story about this lady. Um, So I went to Burke twice in the last year. And this lady... And this lady, um, she doesn't live there. That's her her brother's farm. And she came by accident while we were eating around the table. And we had four or five witnesses with me. And the moment she walked in, I heard a voice. And the voice said, be ready in and out of season. Now, I was going to have a break. I was going to rest a bit. And the Holy Spirit said, be ready in and out of season. And when she sat at the table, she was into, she's a spiritualist person. She's into like witchcraft and uh, demonic things. Though she was searching for the light, she didn't know how to get to the light. And the way that the Lord revealed himself to her was salvation. She didn't know where she was going when when she dies. And that was the door. That allowed Christ to come into her. <clears throat> As well, thirty six years ago, she was a jockey, and she used to race horses, and she fell off a horse. Now she she has a little bit of a limb still, but she hardly could walk when she came the first time, and her her leg clicked into place, and and she got healed from that massive injury the first time and she went and told the whole of Burke what happened and they asked that when I come there if I can preach and I said wherever God puts us he puts us but isn't that interesting we drove 10 hours for one soul it shows you the depths that God will go to reach a person but are we actually awake Because if I was going to enjoy myself and not focus on God's plan as well, she would have missed out on salvation. She would have missed out on Jesus coming to her life. And what was interesting, the Holy Spirit gave me a word for her the first time. And he said, pull out 200 and give it to her and say, this is from me. So she has money. She has money. She owns a farm. And the Holy Spirit said to me to give her 200 and say it's from me. And when I was sharing with her, I said, sorry, the Holy Spirit told me to give you this amount of money. And she started to freak out. And she started to have tears down her eyes. And she said, you know what's interesting? Because I said to her, nothing that you do is hidden from God. That's what I said to her when I gave her that $200. I said, nothing that you do is hidden from God. And she said to me, when I was at a pub three hours from there, she goes, this man walked into the pub, and I felt led to give him $200. And when God gave her the $200, he said to me to tell her, nothing is forgotten with me. And he showed her that he was with her all along waiting for her to receive the Lord. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? And that was the second trip that I just came back from. She came. I said I said to her, "When if I come, you meet me at the dam with some clothes. She drove an hour and 40 minutes to come to get baptized. And when she got baptized, she received the Holy Spirit. She spoke in tongues, and was that was my trip it was fulfilled, really. And she received the Holy Spirit, and what happened was, the next day, the next day she came with her books, with her books, trying to give us some of her books. It's like she bring her God against our God. She bring her books. I just want to bless you with these books. I said. The Bible says that we don't come with persuasive teaching or words. We come preaching Christ crucified. That is the wisdom that is foolishness to man. But it's what heaven represents. So she straight away packed her books. And the Holy Spirit showed me. The Holy Spirit showed me. It was our last day there. And a few of the guys were edgy. They wanted to go for drives and explore the rest of the farm. But the Holy Spirit tested me to see if I'm going to give her time to establish a foundation of how she can follow God. And it was interesting that when I come to pray for her, spiders came out of her head. Real spiders were praying on her head and spiders came out of her hair. And the Holy Spirit will show me of how Satan's kingdom is getting broken, because nothing you say can do what the Holy Spirit can do. It's the power of God that delivers the person. We can usher the door for salvation, usher the door for Jesus, but it's the Holy Spirit who delivers and it was such a beautiful it was such a beautiful thing for the lady she encountered Jesus. And she came back again. And apparently she forgot the Lebanese bread that we gave her at her her mum's house and her brother's house, the farm. But she got her true bread that comes from heaven. So I want to encourage you that if you welcome Jesus in your everyday life, you will see these fruits. Because we don't speak another language when we leave this place. It's the same language, it's the same action, it's the same heart. And the lady, she's a new person now. And she restored by the Lord. But 10 hours in the middle of nowhere, two hours from a petrol station. And God would send salvation. And he reached her. He reached her with a person who's willing to win souls, who's willing to hear the Holy Spirit. And this is every person. We must be in this attitude. I heard a loud voice, be ready in and out of season. And the lady, she got saved, thank God. Now getting saved is the easy part. Moving forward is the most important. But I want to encourage you that this is the reward of it. The reward of what it means to come to Christ, the wind souls. That should be our greatest desire of why we preach the gospel. Not for the signs and the wonders that they will follow. But it's she gets to know our father. It's become her father. It's beautiful. Seeing a person who's never said Jesus come and she wept, it's the most beautiful thing. So thank God for that. Also, um, AJ is right if I grab you. Tony, you can stand here also if you can. Because a major result of why this man's become him is because of his father. Thank God. Can I have a microphone. I want to share something the Lord shared with me, but I feel led to share it openly so you can benefit from this if you don't mind. So I want you to explain, AJ, the prayer that you prayed yesterday when you were speaking to God. Yeah. Um at night i just i was just like worshiping and i just felt led to obviously dying to myself is what we all do in the beginning and i felt that at this point i wanted to 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 make sure and obviously seek the lord to say that if what i've been going through and what i've what's fallen off me and what's shed off me has it truly been dying to self or has it just been yeah, I just had to let go of these things and sort of pride comes out. But I just said, "Lord, if this is truly what dying to myself is so you can live in me, show me that what the next step is or where the next direction is to go." Um and there yeah, I prayed that last night. And um yeah. so he, he he prayed that last night. It was roughly around 11:30 when God spoke to me about what I'm teaching today. He showed me, AJ. He showed me he was in a he was in a little boat, and he was so light in the flesh, and the sail the winds hit the sail, and he was going into his destiny with God. But his flesh was so small, as in he was dying to the flesh. And God showed me that, in detail, for him, to show him what he was praying is approved by God. Showing Him that. Amen. And I encourage you, I I really believe that God loves this heart. To truly know that He is cooperating with Him and God is promoting Him. And the greatest promotion is when you're dead. Because God can set sail with you and he was sailing into a distance where god was taking him and i want to encourage you like i said his father planted all those seeds his father and mother planted all these seeds in him but now it's that seed that prayer that god loves because god can do anything with a vessel that's dead isn't that interesting that (laughs) Whenever the fire from the Old Testament came in to consume It was always ashes Like burnt ashes And burnt ashes symbolic of That whichever way God's anointing falls Through the fire of God or the power of God It can catch fire so easy It can burn so easily and re-flame again And, and as long as your vessel is dying Whichever way the Holy Spirit falls, it will re-trigger and fire again will come. And it's interesting that he's been heavily involved in praying the Spirit and fasting. And they used to fast and rub sackcloth and ashes. They used to sit in sackcloth and rub ashes on them. And it's symbolic of whichever way you are in your journey, God can rekindle you and refire you to go into your destiny. I just want to encourage you and felt led to show you how God promotes a person. He promotes a person and God spoke it to him. Now he asked and God confirmed it. So I want to encourage you to understand the direction we're going. The only way God can set sail with us is with a vessel that's light. He's not heavily anchored in himself. Amen. All bless you. So yesterday the Holy Spirit gave me direction. I actually wasn't going to preach this week. Because I don't like just to make up a topic for the sake of it. If I can speak truth. I like to make sure that God's directing every teaching. So the Holy Spirit spoke in that time. And the topic is the most important one. I've seen people, I've seen people not understand God's process of doing things inside of you. And in that way, they don't have clarity to fight. They don't have motivation to f- to fight. They're easily discouraged or they're easily uh, blurred in their vision with God. And I believe that the greatest thing that we can do to prepare the saints is to understand what God needs to establish in you. We grieve with that. Everyone says, I believe in Jesus. And then, I really believe we're lacking this type of spiritual direction where we can move into the things of God. So I'm going to show you Paul's teachings, very powerful, of how he breaks it down, of the structure of what God needs to establish in you. And are you building on the right foundation? Now our f- our foundation is Jesus Christ. He's the author and finisher of our faith. but That's the beginning. Now what happens after this can truly determine if Jesus has touched you. You can truly ask yourself, has Jesus truly touched my heart? Is his work really working in me? And it's, it's a good thing to ask. It's true. So let's go. We go to Colossians chapter 2. Isn't it interesting here Of what it means to be built up in Christ can I, can I encourage you here I'm a person that loves To see Where I am spiritually Have you ever asked yourself Where am I spiritually with the Lord And where is the Holy Spirit working in me I believe This is the greatest wisdom In never getting burnt out In your journey or never coming to a roadblock in your journey. People here feel spiritually empty, or they feel spiritually confused, or they feel spiritually blocked, or they feel like they cannot move forward. There's there's a restriction, or there is a blockage, or I cannot move forward in the things of God. Yes, I've accepted Him as my Savior, but I can't. I cannot seem to. Connect into the will of God for my life. You people, you feel like this? There's a reason. It's because you haven't understood the process of God. And I feel like whenever you don't understand the process of God, you just keep on wandering and wandering. And I believe that God wants to set a foundation where every believer is growing in the direction of God's teaching through the Holy Spirit. And I believe the greatest wisdom that can be given to you is to understand where you are spiritually. I've never stepped out of my domain whether God was working on my sinful nature. (laughs) Later you'll preach. Not now. (laughs) I really believe I've the greatest wisdom is to understand where you are spiritually is God working on your flesh your sinful nature worldly desires is he operating on on a character issue heart issue I'm so heavy on this is because it's the most important and I really believe you know you can get into a rhythm of winning souls and being a light but I believe that the Holy Spirit will always bring you back to your heart Or the condition of your heart And it's so important that you understand this Because you will bear the right fruit And it will last forever So is there, is there anyone here that feels in this way Where they cannot spiritually move forward And I really believe it's because you haven't understood God's process Of what he needs to do inside of you Or what he wants to establish inside of you. Do you just wake up. And you're in a responsibility. Do do you just wake up. And you're winning souls. Do you just wake up. And you're operating in the power of God. It's not like that. It's a process. Process. And I've understood. The most important process. Because. Because. Whatever God does, His main thing is to make it last forever. That you don't have a glimpse of His power or a glimpse of salvation or a glimpse of winning souls. He wants whatever He's doing in you to last forever until His return. And I believe when we bypass the process of God, we our vehicles stall. Our vehicles stall. And I really believe that your gifting can only take you so far your gifting on your life can only take you so far the rest of it's how god's established himself inside of you bless you god has established himself inside of you your gifting can take you so far at the end what blocks everything it's one major thing that paul deals with here So I want to encourage you from this teaching, you begin to see where you are spiritually. And don't be discouraged, because everyone starts in the beginning. But there's nothing more greater to understand. This is where I am as a believer, and this is what I need to work towards. I encourage you, the most important journey in your life is understanding where you are. It's true it's very true so we go here here you see Paul's heart you see the greatest struggle that he had and what is that what was his greatest cry his greatest cry is that you are built up in Christ Now, this is interesting because he lays the foundation of how Christ builds. It's his death. We build on his death because we are restored there. Our identity is restored there. But he shows us one major thing that God can establish to lead us into the Father's will. Let's have a look. He says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those believers at Laodicea, and for all who, like yourselves, have never seen me face to face. Next, please. So so put Colossians chapter 2 all the way through. You didn't you didn't do that you can't okay so I'll read it out you just want me to wait or oh, it, it's gonna be hard okay it's okay no I'll read it from here. so everyone's everyone's got the A&P version they all similar anyways Okay, he says here, but I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those believers that let it see you and for all who, like yourselves, have never seen me face to face. For my hope is that their hearts may be encouraged as they are knit together in unselfish love. Now, isn't it interesting of how Paul lays the foundation of how we are to be built up in Christ. Unselfish love. Now I'll quickly go. I'll quickly go to that scripture. We go to Second Corinthians chapter five, verse fifteen. I just want to show you the foundation of how God builds and establishes you. Now, isn't it interesting that Paul is showing us why Jesus died? Now, a lot of people have witnessed Jesus' death as a gateway to heaven. And that is true, but it's deeper than that. He died for one major reason, is that you live for the Father's will. It's true. We all know Jesus' death for our names to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but it's deeper than that. Because that's for when we die. What about our years that we live? So the major foundation that God can build and erect your building to become a vessel for God is that you're built in unselfish love. And isn't that interesting of how the system of the world works? The system of the world tells you that you are to erect your own building, And focus on yourself and it's interesting how there's always there's always a challenge of how God wants to build your building and how self wants to take control and this is the greatest statement I believe of why so many people's building cannot be established and erected by God where the Holy Spirit lives and dwells and guides in that person so here, he tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, he died for everyone. He's shown us why he died on the cross. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So it shows you the greatest challenge The greatest challenge in God Beginning to establish your foundation Is where so many people miss out They want to control their lives They want to build for self They want to Be in the steering wheel And to be honest like When you're in the process You will understand what I'm saying To be honest the greatest sacrifice of prayer and fasting was for me not to be in the place where I'm directing my life anymore. It's not just an act. When you pray, when you fast, when you're denying self, it's for one major reason. It's for Christ to steal your vehicle. You have to see it like that. You're not doing another religious act by praying or fasting where you're pleasing Him. You're actually preparing your vessel he can begin to steer and direct you. And this is the most challenging place where so many people cannot even begin to sprout the head where God can begin to elevate this person. i tell you the truth. There is one major enemy, and our greatest enemy, it's not the devil, it's our own flesh. It is our own flesh You don't fast to destroy the devil. You fast to destroy your flesh that keeps the devil away. So when I understood this, my life changed. That the greatest enemy is our own flesh. And this is how God begins to establish you. Now it was interesting, on the last day the lady came to get fed, she forgot bread. On the last day she came, and all the people were... Let's go, come on, it's our last day, we're going to go back to Sydney. And God tested me. Are you doing my will? By sitting and teaching and establishing my people? Because what is true love in the eyes of God? If you love me, you feed my lamb. You begin to understand. I'm cooking the breakfast for the men, and the Holy Spirit's telling me this, that I bought her for this reason. And isn't that interesting, with every desire to be promoted by God, where He can give you more responsibility, is to give more time for His people. And everyone's different. In the beginning, you need time for yourself to get established. But as God establishes you, you begin to establish others. And I really believe the way of the world tells you to be selfish. And God will test you. Whether it's daily or weekly or monthly or I don't know. But it always tests you to see if you're going to be obedient to his will. Where you're going to give time to his people to build his people up and to encourage him. And I really believe that the world will tell you I don't have time for this. I've got to focus on myself. I'm in a hole myself. I'm going to give time to others. And this is the greatest witnessing that i done to the Lord is that in every struggle that I was in, I was persistent to feed His lambs and to be there for His people. And in every place, God promoted me. More of His peace, more of His presence, more of His breakthroughs, because I was after one major thing, to please Him. So the first one is the major obstacle where the believer cannot even spring his head to begin for God to lay that foundation. Selfishness. Selfishness. And I'll never forget that day when my daughter, when my daughter comes to me every day. I want to see Jesus. Every day. And the Lord come to her. Two angels took her to the gates of heaven. And she asked the angel, where's the Lord? And he said, he's in the biggest house up there. And then he came off his chair and she called him. He called her too. And he said, I love you. And you will face many giants. That's what the Lord said to her. She'll face many giants. What's that mean? Your flesh. Your own flesh. That is the joint that you have to kill, your kind of mind. And I, when she come to me, ran to me, she ran to me in the morning and she said, The Lord, come to me. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that moment. Because you invested your time in my people, in families, in other children. I invested my time in your daughter. I never forget what the Lord done there, but he taught me so much. That you can try to build your family. Be careful. Don't go this direction that God has them. As long as you're in His will. Beautiful. So I encourage you here. The first step am I operating in selfishness? And selfishness is as simple as I'm controlling my life and I'm gathering for myself. Now, I share another story. Jesse? Come, Jesse. Microphone. Today, um, testimony day. I do nothing until, unless the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And when I gave away my car with pleasure, by the grace of God, to this man, it's not to boast and look what Reb's done, but it done under the authority of the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesse... Uh, I, I'll let you talk. Y- you can tell how you were thinking about how I gave my car and that dream that you had. You say how it is. So I had a dream. After Rab's gave me the car, Um was at Rabs's house. And I was under the pagol area. And then he was worshipping the Lord at the pool in my dream. And then I heard a voice. And the voice told me... Um, The voice told me, "Um, you came to this earth with nothing, you leave with nothing. And then I saw Rebs, she was worshipping like this. And then it was overcast, but it was such a joyful day. Such a beautiful day. I don't know, I couldn't explain it. It was an amazing day. Very good. Thank you. Look what the Lord said to him. Naked you come, naked you leave. That was the Lord speaking to him. You know, God loves when you share everything you have with the needy and the ones who are in need, or whatever God tells you to do. But he loves it when everything you have, it's not yours. And I encourage you to know the heart of God. God spoke to him for a reason. God told me to do it in front of the church for a reason, because we are all meant to be these types of ambassadors. Naked you come, naked you leave. Now, I don't give because I'm storing up treasures, though they are there. I give out of the obedience for my love for God. And the greatest thing is, his praises is because of a man's obedience. But it's really directed to God. But he said that to him, naked you come, naked you leave. You must understand that everything that you work for is for one major day, the day that you enter heaven. You think about that. To be honest, my, my cooperation with him, my obedience with him has brought me to this place that there is no delight but to know that I'm doing it for the right reason. So bless you. Okay, we go to the next step. Next foundation. So how is unselfish love dealt with? We go to the next scripture. It says here, For my hope is that their hearts may be encouraged. Now isn't it interesting where hope and encouragement comes from? I just want to go back to here. Hope and encouragement is birthed when you live an unselfish life. You know, you think about this. Who's devoid of hope? Who's lacking hope and encouragement? To be honest, the greatest root of people living in a place of hopelessness or discouragement is because he's living for self. Though you're a slave to self, there's no joy in it. There is actually no joy when you live for yourself. Though you're a slave to it, there's no joy. So it says here, so that they may have all the riches that come from the full assurance of understanding, the joy of salvation. So how does unselfish love be dealt with? Is when you know where you're going when you die. When you know what you're actually living for. now can I say something to you like this I gave my car right I have six children the carnal mind will say I have to set up my children though God will allow that but I'll just show you how the carnal mind is always enmity to God's will I have to set up my children I have to focus on my children now but God will look after that just like he came to my daughter and revealed himself to my daughter he will look after them But I'm just teaching you how the flesh works, and I'm giving you an understanding how the wisdom of the world will always clash with the wisdom of God. He says here, so that they may have all the riches that come from the full assurance of understanding the joy of our salvation. we go to matthew 20 28 so it shows you here why unselfish love is an enemy to being a servant it says here in matthew 20 28 just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life or a ransom for many. Now, isn't that interesting when those two sons came and he, they said, Lord, can we sit at the left and right? And Jesus said, it's only for my father to decide. Remember that scripture? I don't know exactly what it is, but I'll just tell you what the Lord showed me. He said, this is only for my father to decide. So they were asking they were asking to sit at the left and right hand of God. And he said, this is only for my father. And they said, yes, we will drink the cup. Yes. So the only time that was registered in the New Testament that Jesus got up at the right hand, welcome welcomed Stephen. Isn't that interesting? Now it's inscripted in Jesus' teachings and it's revealed in Paul's teachings that the only time Jesus stood up at the right hand of God is because Stephen had a servant heart. Isn't that amazing? So he said, yes, you will drink the cup the hand of God for who? The first servant. He served on tables. He waited on tables. He had a servant heart. Isn't that interesting what God will do for you when you have a servant heart? And it's easy to speak, but to serve those who hate you, to love them, to be there for them, that's the true character of Christ. It's a challenge, right? (laughs) The only time Jesus recorded himself standing at the right hand of God, this man, he has a servant heart, and he became the greatest in the kingdom of God. Amazing. The Holy Spirit showed me that Probably five weeks ago He's is showing This is the man I will stand for Who's willing to wait on tables Where He's not in the spotlight of doing God's work God promotes this man I'm not saying to belittle yourself God will allow you to be the light God will allow you to represent him but it begins out of a servant heart. So number one, God builds out of an unselfish heart. The first foundation. The second foundation, he begins out of a servant heart. He died to serve. Number three, Now, this is interesting. Number three, whoever is following, it says here, I'll read it in context again, so that they may have all the riches that come from the full assurance of understanding, the joy of salvation. Number three, resulting in a true and more intimate knowledge of the mystery of God, that is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge regarding the world, the purposes of God. Now isn't it interesting that the mystery of God is understanding and having a discernment against the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God. Now look how Paul says it here. We go to the next scripture. Number three. First step Unselfish love is dealt with by the joy of salvation. Then naturally you become a servant. Here, it teaches you the next step. It says here, In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge regarding the world and the purposes of God. Now what is is the opposite of the kingdom of God or the knowledge of God? Is your own will or not having a maturity to discern. Paul says that in Romans twelve two, it says, Do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed. Now isn't that interesting how he says this here? That it's not it's not something that happens overnight progressively changed it's something that you work towards you know this should encourage every person here because it doesn't happen overnight it's something that you work towards but are you in that place are you in that domain where God is actually working I love to build my journey around a structure because the Holy Spirit works through that structure and it says here but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourself what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plans and purpose for you now he's talking about maturity now now he's laying the foundation now you've come from a place of unselfishness you've come from a place of the joy of salvation now you are progressively moving forward you're changing from the system and the customers of the world to the will of god can you see it now the third step So the first step is unselfish love. God builds and erects your building from that place because of the joy of salvation. Next one is the world tells you to serve yourself. The purpose of God tells you to do the will of your Father. That's the third step. Let's go to the fourth step. The fourth step is a big one. Next scripture. I say this, uh, yeah, so this is not what I'm reading from, yeah, so I say this, so that no one will deceive you with persuasive but thoroughly deceptive arguments, for even though I am absent from you in body, nevertheless, I'm with you in spirit. so just to um just to recollect myself, I'm preaching from Colossians chapter two still. So I say this so that no one will deceive you with persuasive but thoroughly deceptive arguments. For even though I'm absent from you in body, nevertheless I'm with you in spirit. Delighted to see your good discipline. Now what's the third step? The third step is the purpose of the world and the purpose of God. He says here, "I say this that no one will deceive you with persuasive but thoroughly deceptive arguments. For even though I'm absent from you in body, nevertheless I'm with you in spirit, delighted to see your good discipline as you stand shoulder to shoulder and form a solid front." Now, what's the first? What's the fourth step of God? Building inside of you is accepting God's discipline. Now I can spend months in this. I've spent years in it already. Probably the hardest thing to the flesh, change. But for the one who's obedient and cooperates with God, he gets blessed. It's true. Let's read uh oh you got it. Let's read Hebrews now. Hebrews chapter 5, we go to, hang on a second, Hebrews, sorry, we go to Hebrews chapter 12, sorry about that, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 17, okay. Now this is we're getting closer now for God to begin to get great momentum in you. But I'm leading you to one amazing place where all the blessings are attracted to you, all the wisdom of the Holy Spirit attracted to you. We're, we're moving into a good direction now. But it's 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 a it's a good direction because you will see the full manifestation of the Holy Spirit working in you at the last stage so here Jesus the example he says therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us. Let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. Next one. Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus. Now, what does distract us? He's talking about now the world and its system. You see? You see, our enemy, the Satan only brings the world to you. Satan only brings flesh to you. He doesn't come with anything that is not attractive to the eye. So it says, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross disregarding the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God revealing his deity, his authority and the completion of his work just consider and meditate on him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against himself consider in all comparison with your own trials whenever you go through trials you go back to what jesus went through this will allow you to welcome them and not complain because what jesus went through was the ultimate sacrifice the ultimate prize you can always compare your journey to jesus christ that means uh, no complaining (laughs) <laughs> such hostility from the world wherever he went they hated him wherever he went they rejected him and this gives you this gives you a grace that you didn't suffer alone this gives you an encouragement that you're not above your master you can welcome them with open hands Does that make sense? So it says here, just consider and meditate on him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against himself. Consider it in all comparison with your trials so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now isn't that interesting? The different techniques the enemy uses to discourage you or to stop you from moving forward. It's a big one, this one weariness and a loss of heart or loss of hope big one but he shows you the the remedy the medicine that will keep you moving forward look at what jesus went through and you can very easily this person didn't say to me these things don't even phase me anymore this person doesn't speak to him they don't phase me anymore why Because I'm not above my master, I have to go through so so much worse because of where Jesus wants to take me. And it's the truth. They will hate you more and more. We don't have this mindset that it will happen, but the world will hate you. The world will hate you. Why? Because the more and more you die, the more and more they will see the true Christ that's meant to live in you. You have not that one now. Yeah, we're here now. yeah, you have not yet struggled to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And you have forgotten the divine word of encouragement which is addressed which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not make light of the discipline of the Lord and do not lose heart and give up when you are corrected by him for the Lord disciplines and corrects those whom he loves and he punishes every son whom he receives and welcomes to his heart you must submit to correction for the purpose of discipline God is dealing with you as sons for what son is there whom his father does not discipline now if you're exempt from correction and without discipline in which all of god's children share then you are legitimate children and not sons at all illegitimate children and not so moreover we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we submitted and respected them for training us shall we not much more willingly submit to the father of spirits and live by learning from his discipline For our earthly fathers discipline us for only a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. Moreover, uh, sorry. For the time being, no discipline brings joy but seems sad and painful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Right standing with God and a lifestyle, and an attitude that seeks conformity to God's will and purpose. So why God has to discipline you for one major reason why you were designed to live on this earth? Why God has to discipline you so your main goal and purpose of why he put you on this earth can be fulfilled no other reason the more you resist the more he disciplines the more you surrender and say Lord I'm in your hands I'm going to cooperate with you the discipline becomes less so then strengthen the hands that are weak and knees that tremble cut through and make smooth straight paths for your feet that are safe and go in the right direction so that the leg which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed continually pursue peace with everyone and the sanctification without no one which will ever see the Lord see it that no one falls short of God's grace that no root of resentment or bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by many be defiled. Now he's showing you here the opponent of the grace of God. And you know what it is? Bitterness. What's the opponent of God's discipline? Bitterness. And how? what does bitterness mean? Anyone here? If I was to sum up one word for the word of bitterness what would someone say what's that sorry angry envy pride i can't hear you sorry hatred pride and sorry i can't it's periodic reaction okay so the word is interesting from the hebrew the word bitterness you know what it means i'll show you from the the word bitterness means to walk away from the lord so when a person when a person rejects discipline he's really walking away from the lord from i'll show you the scripture it amazes me because it actually makes perfect sense when we don't undergo god's discipline yeah Bitterness, bitterness's true reaction is, I'm going to walk away from God's will. And it makes perfect sense, but it's written in the Old Testament, I'll show it to you. It's from Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy 29 verse 18. So this is where it springs from. This is the meaning of Bitterness here Deuteronomy twenty nine eighteen, so that there will be no so that there will not be among you a man or a woman or a family or a tribe whose heart turns away today from the Lord our God and look here to go and serve the false gods of those nations so that there will not not to be among you a root of idolatry bearing poisonous fruit and wormwood bitterness Now isn't that interesting that the true meaning of bitterness from the Hebrew means I'm going to walk away from the Lord. And what a great example we see today in churches today. When God begins to discipline a believer, I'm going to take things in my own control and I'm going to walk away from the Lord. This is how you can see if bitterness is at work in your heart. This is how you can begin to see. That when times are tough, when God's trying to deal with something inside of me, have I walked away from the Lord? Because that's how you know his bitterness is at work in you, in regards to the opposite of God's grace. So what's the opponent of God's discipline? Bitterness. What does bitterness mean? I'm going to walk away from the Lord, this is too much. Hebrews chapter three, verse twelve to eighteen confirms this. It says, Take care, brothers and sisters, that there not be any in any of you a wicked, unbelieving heart which refuses to trust and rely on the Lord, a heart that turns away from the living God. So you begin to see here the different opponents that you will face. Number 1 you have to deal with unselfishness. Number 2 what allows you to deal with unselfishness is the joy of salvation that Jesus died for you. I can no longer live for self. Number 3 you have the Bible says that the mature or the wise have trained themselves to discern both the good and the evil. Now maturity is entering that believer. He can discern the good and the bad number four and the biggest one where believers do not get promoted to the next level of faith is accepting God's discipline I want to remain in the world I want to remain in my own pride I want to remain in sin I want to continue to live in ignorance I want to continue to not fill myself up with the word of God And it's interesting here, because this is a major, major, major uh, victory here in this teaching. Bitterness is expressed in walking away from God. I tried. It's too hard. You don't try God. You are to surrender to Him. There's no such thing as trying God out. When you come to Him, you must trust that He is, and He's a promise his promises are for those who continually seek him. It's true. But it's a it's a process. And in the beginning it's a tough process. I prepare you, but it's it's so rewarding. Because you live in the presence of his peace, in his joy, there's no more control there. There's no more ego or pride there. It's true. And you become where the Holy Spirit guides you. And why so many people are suffering, because they preach such a hyper-grace, they preach such an easy message. When, the fl- when God begins to discipline them, is this God? Is he meant to do this inside of me? And they stall. Because they haven't understood, though he's a loving God, he has to discipline you, so you can share in his holiness, you can share in his glory. So it's a fine balance. You have to take the whole. So accepting God's discipline leads to the next promotion. Which area in your life have you not accepted discipline yet? Which area in your life that you know you're doing wrong, but you continue to stay there? And I thank God because there's no teaching. There's no teaching like God's conviction. If you want to know that you're in an area that's wrong, you're naturally convicted in your heart. Paul says he's written his laws in the tablets of your heart, meaning your conscience convicts you. It's true. So the fourth stage is a major stage in a person's journey that allows him to get continually promoted forward God's discipline. We go to another one. We go to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 to 8. So here, let's say, let's read here. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 to 8. This is the principles of Christ. It says, therefore, let us get past the elementary stage in the teachings about the Christ. advance the resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment. These are all important matters in which you should have been proficient long ago. And we will do this, that is, proceed to maturity if God permits. For it is impossible to restore to repentance those who have been consciously experienced the good word of God and the powers of the age will to come and then have fallen away. It is impossible to bring out the Son of God on the cross. For as far as they are concerned, they are treating the death of Christ as if they were not saved by it, and are holding him again to public disgrace. For soil that drinks the rain, which often falls on it, produces crops useful to those whose benefit it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it is persistently producing thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burnt. Now this links up with Luke chapter 8, whoever wants to read it. The sawn and thistles, what it actually means. So I encourage you here, one major direction is discipline to bring repentance. The major role of God's discipline is to actually bring repentance, that you're not your own, you have been bought at a price. And I encourage you, a life of praying tongues and a life of fasting if you don't inhabit this in your spiritual life, you will struggle. It's the truth. Because fasting was designed for what? For Him to pour new wine into new skin. That's why fasting was, was produced by God. So when you fast, He can pour new wine into your new skin, your new vision, your new heart, your new desire. And it's true. Probably the hardest discipline in the spiritual journey is the act of prayer, fasting, the most rewarding because those things that you once fought against will not dominate you anymore. Okay. Number five. Now stability is formed. I'll read it. Number five, and to see, already in context, delighted to see your good discipline as you stand shoulder to shoulder and form a solid front. And to see the stability of your faith in Christ, your steadfast reliance on Him, and your unwavering confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness. Now, it's it's symbolic of maturity has entered you. Maturity has entered you, and now you are operating in this level of faith. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 to 14. It says here, Hebrews five eleven fourteen, 14. Concerning this, we have m- m- so much to say to you, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull and sluggish in your spiritual hearing and disciplined to listen. For, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, because of the time you've had to learn these truths, you actually need someone to teach you again the elementary principles of God's word from the beginning, and you have come to continually in need of milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is doctrinally inexperienced and unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a spiritual infant. But solid food is for the spiritual mature whose senses are trained by practice to distinguish between what is morally good and what is morally evil. Okay, so that's the next dimension of your faith. You have a discernment. You can see where you're going. Number six and the final one and probably the biggest one. Is where all the rewards and the fruits of you living with Christ. You know what it is? I'll read it to you. Number six. Therefore, as you receive Jesus Christ the Lord, walk in union with him, reflecting his reflecting his character. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in union with him, reflecting his character in the things you do and say. Living lives that lead others away from sin. That's the last dimension of God establishing you at a level that is so high that it even makes others walk away from sin is no, amazing? The last and final dimension is that Christ's character is formed in every person. All the discipline, all the obedience, it's to lead to one thing, Christ formed inside of you, where his character is naturally operating in you. So let's say there's jealousy. There's rebellion, there's anger, there's gossip, there's slander, there's bitterness. All the opposites of Christ's character, but demonic characters still at work in you. You start to see the level of faith that you walk in. Now every time I see, every week, I see people operating in these characters. It's sad, because all it produces is the evil one to continually grow inside of you. Jealousy, envy, bitterness, gossip, slander. He's the prince of this. All the discipline of God, the extent of his discipline is to produce himself inside you. It's the greatest level you can walk in. Because how can you truly be defeated if the love of God's operating in you? You can never be defeated. No matter what the devil throws against you, you cannot be defeated. Because we are overcoming evil with what? With good. You cannot be defeated. So all those processes, they link up to one thing, Christ's character inside of you. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. I think it's Romans 5. Sorry. Romans 5. Do I have Romans 5? i wait for you. It's probably a big one. It's in the AMP version. Romans five verse one to five, yeah, it's okay. Can everyone see that it's big enough <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> So I'll read it from this, because I haven't written this the scripture down. Therefore, since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous, and given a right standing with God through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation to hold and to enjoy peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. So this is a bit different, this version, but it's okay. Through Him... Also, we have our access, entrance, introduction by faith into this grace, the state of God's favor in which we firmly and safely stand. Now look, it's interesting. He starts with we have peace with God. Then we have this unmerited state of God's favor in which we firmly and safely stand. Now look where it leads us now. And let us rejoice and exult in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. Next one. Moreover, let us also be full of joy. Let us exult and triumph in our troubles and rejoice in our sufferings. Now isn't it interesting where it leads to, where God's favor leads to? I'm reading the right Bible, right? Where does it lead to? The unmerited favor of God, where does it lead to? Sufferings and troubles, for what reason? You must understand for what reason. They are not there to destroy you. No trials and challenges that are from God are there to destroy you, but to form Himself inside of you. Because you can never be formed if everything's going good. I have a saying. Why Paul said, let the weak say, I am strong, it's because he couldn't ever get off his knees in the method of prayer, in the method of reliance upon the Spirit. He said, let the weak say, I am strong, but the weak is in the attitude of prayer. He's in the attitude where he's hearkening and relying on the Holy Spirit to lift him up. And I witnessed this for many years, many years of that deep struggle, the deep challenges the deep warfare, and that place is where it birthed me to be this person today. Knowing that pressure and affliction and hardships produce patient and unswerving endurance. And endurance, fortitude, develops maturity of character approved faith and tried integrity and character of this sort produces the habit of joyful and confident hope of eternal salvation. Such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us for God loves, has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. i like to read it in I like to read it in the amplified version because it's, it leaves us a great saying. Okay, I read it again. okay i read it therefore since we have been justified that is acquitted of sin declared blameless before god by faith let us grasp the fact that we have peace with god and the joy of reconciliation with him through our lord jesus christ the messiah the anointed through him we have access by faith into the remarkable state of grace in which we firmly and safely and securely stand let us rejoice in hope and the confident assurance of experiencing and enjoying the glory of our great God, the manifestation of His excellence and power. And not only this, but with joy, let us exult in our sufferings, rejoice in our hardships, knowing that hardship, distress, pressure, trouble, produces patience and endurance, and endurance, proven character, spiritual maturity. And proven character, hope, and confident assurance of eternal salvation, such hope in God's promises never disappoints us because God's love has been abundantly poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given to us. So this is the last stage of where God wants to form every person here is in the character of Christ. I really believe that this 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 final destination is the major work of the Holy Spirit. This is the major work of the Holy Spirit that wasn't focused on the body of Christ. The people at the end, when they were judged by Jesus, they said, we prophesied, we cast out demons, we healed in your name. But they, they, were, they never said that their Christ was actually formed in them. The giftings without character sent them to hell. Do you know that? They focused on their gifting. God left that there for us to read. The people that said we prophesied, they said, Lord, Lord, open the door and it was shut. They prophesied, they cast out demons, they healed. They were people that went after their gifting instead of the true work of the Holy Spirit that had to deal with their character. You know that's written in the Bible. So what is said, it will happen but it's a picture that we are not to focus on our gifting or hide behind our gifting or find comfort in our gifting rather, the true gift is Christ formed in you. And it's interesting when people get squeezed anger, jealousy, isolation shut that person down it's interesting how your character not formed allows your vehicle to store and not allow you to get promoted by God. Because your gifting is held by your character. Your gifting is held by your character. As much as your character is formed with Christ, will determine where you go with the gifting that comes from God. You think about this. The gifting of your life determines how your character is formed. And I thank God that He's birthed me in this place to know that the most important thing in my journey is how I cooperate with the Holy Spirit regarding my heart and my character. And that means you will be a punching bag, that means the devil will, float, will um, throw blows at you, he will strike you with arrows. But there is something that cannot destroy you, is your character. If you understand this, you will grow in the right direction. The enemy is the only way he can dismantle your gifting is by keeping your character part of the devil. Anger, jealousy, gossip, slander, bitterness, rage, they are all characteristics of Satan. And he will never allow you to get promoted. And the greatest work of the Holy Spirit is to deal with this part of your life. So when the gifting does fall, the devil cannot destroy you. You understand this? It's so important. And the only way you know if your character is proven is the trials and challenges and hardships you go through. Because that determines, that determines what's inside of you. And we see in the church today, the gossip, the slander, the pride, the ego, the control. These are all characteristics of Satan. So what is the greatest work of the Holy Spirit? For you to win souls? Or for Christ to be formed in you? Notice notice what's more important. Notice what's most important. For Christ to be formed inside your heart naturally the fruits will follow. Naturally God will use you. So important you understand this. We'll finish off with Galatians chapter five, verse twenty two to twenty three. the amplified we have this one? Thank God. Look here. This is the perfect example of what a true character of Christ means. Now, there's one punchline that seems to just light up this whole verse. And I'll just see if you pick it. You don't have to say it out loud. But I'll just see here if you can pick the most important statement here of Paul. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit... The result of his presence within us is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. Isn't that the test? When you wait for God to promote you, how do you wait while... How do you wait... How do you act while you're waiting... Isn't that an expression of the wilderness right there? Isn't that an expression today of what the wilderness is? Isn't that an expression of what happens in the wilderness? I see people here get blessed before others and you start to see you start to see they're comparing you start to see the envy or the jealousy you start to see the complaining you start to see all the antics and the weapons of the enemy. How do you wait while you're waiting? That is the key to receiving promotion from God. You wait doing His will? Do you wait dealing with your flesh? Do you wait dealing with your character? Or do you wait complaining? Your eyes are on someone else, your eyes are on someone else's blessings. How do you actually wait? When you're in troubles, how do you wait? Does complaining come out of you? Does gossip come out of you? Does pride come out of you? How do you wait? This is what I learned to be the key for God's success, for promoting any person here or anyone who wants to come to him. How do you wait? How do you wait? Or how do you act while you're waiting? And isn't that interesting? That so much of the old nature comes out while you're waiting. The defeated mindset, the mindset of failure, the mindset that I cannot inherit this promise, you start to see the old nature is still at work in me. I have a mindset that I have a mindset of failure, a mindset of poverty, a mindset of bondage, a mindset that I'm defeated, a mindset of failure. You start to see while you wait, God deals with your character because the old nature surfaces. But while you're waiting for something, it surfaces. Quick, quick, I need a blessing. Quick, quick, quick. But he's trying to get into what you actually believe. Your old nature, all the things that you reason and all the things that you fed, all the things that you entertained before Christ is blocking you from moving forward. So while you wait, God lets you see what's in your heart and he works with you. Can you understand this? So while you wait, what is God doing? He's exposing what you actually believe. What I feed all my life has finally come upon me. What is the issue? Your healing, your sickness, your attacks from the enemy? No. Fear. You start to see where the Holy Spirit's working. You start to understand what he needs to address inside. You begin to see. But how does it get revealed while you're waiting for your breakthrough? While you're waiting. What's the most important thing in receiving God's blessings or God's promotion? Or God's deliverance? Is what? What you do while you're waiting. Are you hearing what your heart is telling you? Are you hearing what you're entertaining? Is that part of your old nature? Is there things that you're still operating in? You start to see. And you say, well, I'm going in circles. Well, the Holy Spirit keeps bringing this to me. Why am I trying to resist it? Why am I trying to run away from it? Bring it to the light. You start to see. I'm speaking to many people here. You start to see, this is how you understand what God's trying to enter into. And how he does it is while you're waiting. Your fears are at work. Your unbelief is at work. Your compromise is at work. Your confusion is at work. And you start to see, God's trying to reveal these things to me. And I'm trying to fight Satan. It's got nothing to do with Satan. It's got everything to do with your old nature your carnal nature, the fear of failure, the fear of the future. There are many things, but I just want to open your understanding to understand how the Holy Spirit works in a person so you can move forward. Amen? You understand that? Not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. That is the greatest fruit of the Spirit. That allows you to continuously get promoted. I share something with you. This is for my journey. It will probably shock you. But I like to share it. I share everything. So God God showed me something many years ago. that I'll, That is going to deliver us from something. And he came to me many years ago probably around 7 years ago and i saw a hand from heaven come down a golden hand it's the first time i heard my father in heaven speak to me i always heard jesus or the holy spirit speak to me this time i heard the father speak and how i knew it was the father what he said to me and a hand came into a hole because we came out of we came out of poverty we came out of not having nothing And I was bankrupt at the age of 18. So you can, if you ever wanted to understand who has a mindset of poverty or failure or is not going to get anywhere in life, it was actually me. And the hand came from heaven, a golden hand. And I wasn't in the hole. I was outside the hole because I already gave my life to Jesus. But my family was there. And the hand came and he lifted my family to where I am at the same level as, as me. And he said, because you honored me and my son, I make a promise to you. That I'll take you and your family out of debt and forever you'll glorify my name. He said that to me seven years ago. Now, last year I faced some great hardship. I'd like to share both experiences, the well and the good and the nah. I share it all. I share it all. So I faced some deep, deep challenges and I prayed, I fasted, I came to the end of the road, I fasted and I prayed, and I said, Lord, I don't know what to do now, you have to direct me. And I fell asleep that night, and an angel from far, he was dressed in golden armor, and I could see him as far as my eye, he was behind the clouds, he was flying around me. And he said, what the Lord has said, it will come to pass. So, So I woke up and I'm saying, why did I see him from far? So far, normally I see him close. And the Holy Spirit said to me, do you know why you saw him from far? Because that's how God sees unbelief. For the first time, I questioned him in my journey. And he saw me from far. Instead of, what I, instead of saying that, I should I said, Lord, what you have promised me will come to pass. But that challenge bring a character in me that God had to work on. And he said, The Holy Spirit said, You know why you saw the angel from far? Is because that's how God sees a prayer of unbelief from far. Now we all go through challenges. As long as we are true to ourselves. Amen. God will work with where you are. And I'm, I'm an example of this. But I'm happy to share every experience because this is our journey. Not everything is good and always be good. God will take you through different challenges to get your character to be more strengthened in Him and to trust in Him. And what the Holy Spirit said to me shocked me. By the grace of God, I will not go that direction ever again. <laughs> but He shared with me how God sees unbelief. How God hears unbelief from far. So bless you all and understand God needs to establish you. It's not just a quick fix and you're starting and you're doing on the you're doing whatever God wants. It's a process. You start to see, okay, I can see where I am now. I can see my commitment, I can see where my heart is, I can see where my mind keeps going. And then you can start to work. Amen? All right, let's pray. All right, let's pray. You understand. You understand from this message that God's more interested in a building of what he needs to establish inside of you than rather what he can do through you. Can you see this? God's more interested in what he needs to build inside of you Rather than what he can do through you I want you to open your heart for this because the Holy Spirit is laying this amazing foundation he's not interested of the power that can work through you rather than the character that needs to be formed in you please understand this you can it's not about coming every week here I need a prayer I need my problem to go just this message answered your problem I think So pray, open your hearts, and understand that God's discipline is for a lifetime. We thank you, Jesus. From here to the third heavens, Lord, we worship you. You are holy, and you are true. I thank you for the work that you have started in us. You complete it until the day of Christ. We worship you lord i pray for every soul here today that they are encouraged by your holy spirit and they are strengthened in you because your mercies are new every morning great is your faithfulness i thank you lord for your blood that washes us clean as white as snow i thank you that we are free we are free and all the work that you had done at the cross it's finished We receive it today by faith. And I pray for your grace, your ultimate grace, to produce Christ's character inside of us through the Holy Spirit. I pray for every person here that they may have direction to understand your process and the things that you have to do inside of them. I love you, Jesus. I can't thank you enough for what you've done. But I pray today for these people. That they may know your process. They may know what you have to establish in them. That they may know that that is your greatest work on earth. Thank you, Lord. That we all are ambassadors of you. And we are put on earth to shine your light. I pray for your light to more and more work inside of us give us the strength your power to accomplish this we worship you jesus you are the king of kings and the lords of lords and today we lift up your name because you're worthy of our praise we love you jesus and i pray for every heart to be enlightened today thank you i pray for any place that it's barren in their life, to be restored. Thank you, Lord. We love you so much. Thank you for this meeting. Thank you for your word. And thank you for all that you have done in us. In Jesus' name, Amen.